From the Transverse Network, this is The Transgender Show, an interview program about self-acceptance and discovery. I'm your host, Emily. This week on the show is Allison, a lover of all things automotive and host of the Trans Connections podcast. Allison, welcome to the show. How are you tonight? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to to get to talk to you and share share a little bit more about myself and hopefully plug the podcast a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Well, the great thing is the podcast that you're hosting is very similar to this show. It's an interview show sharing stories. And we had very similar in our pre-interview. It sounded like we have very similar goals in starting those shows, right? Yeah. Uh, so my goal and, and I believe your goal as well was to just put as many stories out um, in as I guess different platforms, but in platforms that people can listen to or watch and see the different options um, or different stories and lives that uh, we as transgender people go through um, and get to experience. We're going to run through a set of questions about your story. The simple start one is how do you identify? Uh, I identify as a trans woman or sometimes just woman. Um, she, her, definitely my pronouns. I don't, uh, but I don't really, like, it's not something I talk about frequently. So if someone asks me, then woman is generally how I tell people. Um, but if I know it's a safe place, then I do identify as a trans woman. I'm going to keep going on that topic instead of going down our normal path of questions, because in the pre-interview, we talked about the fact that you came out in Texas and then moved to Washington, a more liberal area and very far away from anybody that knew you. So you got to, to, you know, basically come into the city and all the people there as Allison. How was that experience just overall? And then I'll, I'll get into some more questions about that. First of all, I'm from Colorado originally, um, and about five years ago, decided to move to San Antonio, Texas, where I knew nobody as well. <laughs> uh, so I have made, I've done this move twice now where I've moved across the country into a place where I've never, I didn't know anybody, never lived before. Um, and so that experience in itself is its own journey, trying to navigate moving somewhere and not knowing anyone and trying to figure out how to do things. I'm fortunate I work for an amazing company that helped move me both times. That also meant that I had a great job no matter where I was at. Um, But then this time, this move was a completely new move because I got to move as myself for the first time. Uh, So shopping for an apartment uh, furniture shopping even because I didn't bring most of my furniture back up with me uh, when I moved this mm-hmm. time uh, was just a new experience and getting to do that by myself but also being myself uh, was such a great experience moving out of Texas San Antonio and most of the large cities in Texas actually are, are fairly liberal um, I have actually in the year that I've been here had just as many issues for being trans um, as I did living in San Antonio, Texas. So it's not like that was a huge difference. Um, I expected less, actually, and it's been pretty on par with. Uh, so I guess it really, from a per, that perspective, like it really doesn't matter where you're at. Unfortunately, there are people everywhere, and you're just like, we just have to deal with that. It sucks. Um, I'm very fortunate. My best friend, who still lives in San Antonio, uh, has been a huge supporter for me. 
and she has been somebody that I, when something does happen, I can call and she just picks up and talks to me for hours and mm. she's two hours ahead of me. So sometimes that's midnight or one o'clock in the morning for her. And she's still willing to stay up and talk to me most of the time. Oh, that's amazing. It's wonderful to have that, you know, <laughs> to have that, to fall back on, to have that support structure there. Um, and, you know, especially the, the 24 hour availability of that, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. And, and having just that like person that tells you it's okay to cry and then listens to you ugly cry on the phone. <laughs> so you mentioned, you know, when you're describing how you identify that you know, a lot of times you drop the trans woman aspect of it, the, the trans aspect, um, you know, just blending in as yourself, as a woman, what what has your experience been there in this new city? How often do you feel like it's something you need to divulge? And how often do you are you able to just live as you and that's not even a factor? Um, I very, very rarely do I actually feel like I have to tell somebody. Um, my direct manager at work is the only person at work that knows um, up here in Tacoma, at least for sure. I suspect most of the people I work with have an idea, mm -hmm. um, but I don't think any of them know for sure. Uh, but if you go to my uh, my Instagram page or even um, from because I have a photography business on the side, um, if you go to that website, it specifically states that I'm a trans woman. So it's not like I hide it. Mm -hmm. um, I think that that is a part of my identity. Um, and the idea behind the podcast was to be, I get to be that person who is, uh, of privileged, who gets to live my authentic self and get to be who I am. Hmm. I just find that oftentimes it's more work to try to explain what that means to people who don't know. Uh, and I just don't have a need to go through that every single time. <laughs> yeah, totally fair enough. Moving into the rest of the questions, my favorite one, how did you choose your name? Um, I don't, it's, I guess it's just the name that has always been in my head. Like when I was a little kid, for some reason, I always loved the name Allison. Hmm. Uh, and so for, for whatever reason, I honestly have no idea. And it was kind of always strange to me that like, you know, presenting as a little boy, not understanding what being trans meant at that time, could never figure out why I would like a name like that. So mm -hmm like passionately. Uh, so when I um, came out as trans and literally that was like one of the first questions my mom asked when I came out to her is, so you're going to transition. What, what is, you know, have you thought of a name? And it didn't even like zero hesitation, Allison. Mm -hmm. uh, my middle name, which is Brooke, um, that one's a little different of a story. I struggled for uh, quite a while trying to think of a middle name and I listen to Garth Brooks radio on uh, Sirius XM all the time. And there's a story that one of his fans tells how she named her daughter Brooke after Garth Brooks. Uh, Garth Brooks. And so when I heard the name Brooke from that, I was like, oh, I really like that name. So I chose Allison Brooke, Brooke being my middle name, based on kind of Garth Brooks, but not really. So when did you first realize that you were transgender, that that... I am trans. This is my identity. It would have been uh, three years ago around this time, fall of 2018. Um, 
is when I really was able to, I guess, put two and two together. There's, I have stories, and I think I've talked about it on the podcast a couple of times as well, of times when I was even as young as five years old. Um, I, my sister actually, up until I came out to her, didn't know that the reasoning behind that, why I did this uh, until I came out to her. But I literally stole my um, sister's clothes when I was five. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she thought I was just being a jerk and uh, like stealing her clothes. And little did she know I was actually I had been putting them on. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents didn't know nothing like it was just me in my bedroom kind of thing. But it was something that I wanted to do when I was five years old. And I didn't think about it much at that point. Like, I didn't understand why I was five. Who Like, that's not something you think about. Um, and then as I got older, that was something that I still continued to enjoy doing or, um, I guess, cross-dressing in general was something that I wanted to do or did. And it wasn't until I broke up with an ex-girlfriend in, um, it was August, September timeframe of that year that uh, I really kind of started thinking about what's going on. Um, I had been engaged previously and that relationship ended almost identical to the most recent one. And I was confused. I was like, what's going on? Why is things happening the way they're happening? It doesn't make sense to me. And so I started doing research and at uh, somewhere along the lines, the word transgender came up and it didn't make sense to me why it did at first. But then when I started doing research, um, the literally the first thing I read was go find a therapist and listen to as many stories as you can. And so I started listening to stories, I started reading stories, and I started connecting with all of these different stories. And before long, I said, all right, I need to go see a therapist. So I saw a therapist. And when I like scheduled the appointment for the therapy session, I said, I'm questioning my gender. Mm-hmm. But by the time I went and actually saw her, I had already identified as trans. Um, And I actually was no longer questioning at that point. And I was more just, how do I navigate this? I have no idea what I'm doing right now. I need some assistance. So you stumble on the word transgender and you don't know how it applies to you. How tough was it for you to accept that you were transgender and find peace with it? Uh, It was pretty fast for me. Uh, I think that my personal thoughts for myself are once, as soon as I like said it to myself a couple of times, I'm trans, I'm, I'm a trans woman. Uh, it all of a sudden, everything that had happened to me and happened with me previously made sense. Mm. Uh, and all of a sudden it was just this like, I guess, rush of relief. A really interesting thing about me was before then I used to chew my nails, bite my nails. Mm. Um, and the last time I bit my nails was the day that I came out as transgender. Um, and they say like quitting chewing your nails is supposed to be one of the most difficult habits you can do, uh, or you can quit. And I didn't even like think about quitting it. It just stopped. Like I, I was no longer, I no longer needed that fixation. The stresses that I had been mm-hmm. going through mentally, subconsciously was causing me to like bite my nails. And all of a sudden that stopped when I came out as trans. It was a really weird like revelation for me mm-hmm. when all of a sudden like, oh shoot, I need like <laughs> nail clippers and need to start maintaining my nails correctly. At that period, 
in your life, did you have a particular role model or confidant other than your therapist? Um, so my, uh, my birthday is Christmas Eve, actually. And so I spent Christmas Eve and Christmas Day kind of by myself down in Texas. I didn't really know a whole lot of people still. Um, and I family was all up in Colorado and I didn't, I had to work. So I didn't have a chance to go up to Colorado for any of that. Um, but I happened to have the day after Christmas off as well. And I had messaged a friend of mine who she actually used to be an employee of mine. I messaged her and said, Hey, I'd like to have a conversation with you." And she actually thought it was, I was coming to tell her, I'm going to apply to be your manager. What are your thoughts? Mm-hmm. And instead I dropped the, Hey, I'm trans what are your thoughts? And she was super supportive. Like I picked her because I knew she would be extremely supportive of me. Uh, and the first thing she said to me was, what's your name? And is it okay if I start calling you that? And I said, absolutely. I would love for that to happen. And it was like a light switch for her. She literally just flipped the switch and I, all of a sudden was always Allison. Mm -hmm. Uh, and she only referred to me as she, her, unless she came into uh, work because she still stopped by the store frequently. She quickly like called me up and said, hey, I'm go- I have a nail appointment. You're going to come over to my house and we're going to go shopping. So she took me shopping for the first time and mm-hmm. then took me to uh, a nail appointment because she had um, she got her uh, nails done. And then I got a uh, pedicure that day. Like it was it was a great experience. Um Unfortunately, me and her uh, have fallen out of communication. I haven't really talked to her in a couple of years, Um, but she was definitely someone early on that was a really huge support for me. She had come over to do some makeup uh, for the first time. I was going to be in a wedding and I had never worn makeup before. And so I needed to, I wanted some practice. I wanted to at least get to try it on my own. And so she came over and my neighbor was outside and she just was basically like, hey, we're doing makeup. Do you want to come over? Allison, you know, it's Allison's first time. And uh, my my best friend, my neighbor, walks over, like comes over and we had like a gigantic bottle of sangria. It's like a gallon jug of sangria that we were going through uh, and just having fun. But uh, that was like the beginning of my relationship and my best friend with my neighbor, mm-hmm. um, who is now um, like my closest and biggest uh, supporter. Shifting a little bit more into your coming out story directly, how did you let others know about your new identity in general? I, my mom and younger sister and younger brother, I just called them and said, "Hey, this is, uh, you know, this is who I am. I'm coming out as trans." Um, I think I called my younger sister on my birthday, uh, on Christmas Eve, uh, and let her know. Um, I had called my mom a few days before that. Um, unfortunately. My mom and younger sister were actually on their way to Kansas to deal with, uh, not deal with, but be with um, my mom's uh, sister's grandchild was uh, going through a bunch of cancer treatments at the time and mm. unfortunately passed away uh, that Christmas. And so uh, my mom was kind of dealing with all of that at the time. And so it was kind of difficult for her to to uh, be be there for me in that moment, because she was also trying to be somewhere else. Mm. Um, And I didn't need it. But over the phone was pretty much the only way I could do it at that time, because I just didn't, uh, I wasn't going to see them in person for quite a while. Um, But I also used to race. Um, I did off-road racing 
uh, for a couple of years. And so I knew I needed to come out to my race team. Uh, I was the co-driver for the team and coming out to them was a really important thing for me. Uh, I ended up, I think for the better part of a month and a half, uh, I, that was about all I talked about with my, um, therapist was how was I going to come out to these guys? Um, they were some of the people that I was the most close with. Um, they were my best friends. They were people who I had grown up with. Uh, and so I was really worried that telling them was going to ruin what we had created and our friendships. Um, I ended up telling, um, one of them when I was back in Colorado for a weekend. And, um, that was when he asked me to be in his wedding still, uh, literally right after I came out to him, he said, I still want you in my wedding. Uh, and, um, I'm, uh, you know, I haven't asked anybody else yet. So I'm asking you, will you be in my wedding? And, um, I, without hesitation was like, absolutely. Um, so I had his support from the very moment I told him. And then, um, the other guys I didn't tell until I got to, I had a big race in February. Uh, so we got to the race and I wasn't paying attention. There was a ton of mud and water all over the place. And so, um, my shoes had gotten covered in mud. And when we were setting up the camper for the weekend, I had taken my shoes and socks off cause they were soaked and I had forgotten that I had just gotten my toes painted mm-hmm. and they were painted dark blue. So somebody noticed them almost immediately. Uh, and I didn't have a great excuse for it cause I wasn't prepared for it. Uh, so I basically told them, oh yeah, I just painted them for the weekend. I think is what I said. And then, uh, one of my friends, she was a nurse and she was the first one that I came out to that weekend, just literally told her, Hey, I'm, they're painted because I'm trans. I'm in the process of coming out. She was super supportive, really excited that she was no longer the only girl on the team. Um, and so like me and her, we were already really good friends, but I feel like our friendship has gotten closer because of that. Um, and then, I waited until the end of the weekend to tell the rest of the guys. And as we were kind of packing up for the weekend, I talked to them. I still had not told my driver. Um, He was somebody that I had a lot of stress and concern about telling, Um, mostly because he was my co-owner with the team. He was the driver. I was his co-driver. Like we spent a ton of time in the Jeep together. And I just was, I I was really worried how that was going to affect our, our dynamic Um, the other guys were all like, I had filled them in kind of one by one individually. And I guess later on they had gone skiing for the rest of the, like the next week and they didn't know that I had told everybody else. And so there were only a couple of them that knew that I had talked to somebody else and they were having a conversation. And then someone walked in who also knew and they like stopped talking. And that person made a comment like, oh yeah, I know she's trans. And they were like, What? super surprised because I didn't let them know that I had told everybody. Okay. I just kind of said, Hey, I haven't told everybody yet. I'm in the process. So just please don't, don't share it with anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next day is when I told my driver, uh, me and him had stayed a couple extra days to just kind of hang out. And, um, so I had a conversation with him privately. Uh, his dad was also there I'd had, and I had already talked to his dad His dad has been a huge supporter of mine, Um, and I no longer race for the team. Um, 
me and the driver didn't see eye to eye on things completely unrelated to me being trans. Hmm. Uh, we were business partners and sometimes business partners just don't work out. Um, and that's just the end of it, uh, for the race team. He still races. I am a huge supporter of his race team. I want to see him be successful. Uh, the rest of the guys all still race. Um, but he also is a huge supporter of me, um, still, uh, individually, hmm. um, we've both kind of been able to get to this point where the race team is his, and I kind of just leave it alone at that point. Um, eventually I'll be able to go and watch him, uh, without it being like super, uh, awkward, but that's more from a business perspective and not awkward from a trans perspective. Yeah. And a, a pain from, you know, losing a passion. I totally understand that. Yeah. Well, it's wonderful was... to hear that, that they, their acceptance level was was really high that they sounded like they embraced you with no problem yeah i um there was one other guy on the team who i actually didn't get a chance to tell that weekend and we had done a trip to moab utah we had planned a trip to moab utah just to kind of go have fun for a weekend and um i was it was going to be my first opportunity out of texas to just be myself. And so I had made the decision that I was going to be Alice in that entire weekend. Uh, and I didn't really care. Well, we hadn't told him yet. And I hadn't told him mostly because he has, um, some pretty, he's been pretty vocal about his political beliefs. He's very conservative and his religious beliefs, um, as well as his opinion of the LGBT community. Mm. And so I was really concerned about, how that interaction was go gonna go in fact the other guys had all told me like hey if you want us there when you have that conversation we're more than happy to be there we all have the same concerns of how this is gonna go mm -hmm. and i ended up telling him first thing before anyone else even got there he was the first one to show up to the campsite after me and um i just kind of pulled him aside and said hey here's the deal this is what i'm going through this is what i'm doing and I will never forget the first word that he said to me, knowing the type of person who he is. Um, he is very, uh, very vocal about his beliefs. The first thing he said to me was, you're still the same person. Uh, and I won't ever forget that. And so he has been the biggest supporter of me. I have, and I kind of decided that it wasn't worth it to try and change his opinion of the LGBT community or anything like that. He is someone who supports me. He intentionally genders me correctly every single time he has actually stood up for me and corrected others mm -hmm. um and so i i don't have a need to try and change his opinion and i think that he respects that um and he has been a huge supporter of me uh so i that that story is one that i absolutely love to share because i think that a lot of us have this fear of telling people and yeah. I said, I've said this on my podcast before. I don't know if it was on any of the episodes you listened to, but I, I like to tell people whenever you're trying to do something, the, the people who care don't matter. And the people, people that matter don't care. Mm -hmm. And I, that is been what I have lived by whenever I'm coming out to somebody, the people that I, that matter to me, I don't have a problem telling them because they don't care. And the people that will care, I have no problem with them finding out through the grapevine because they really don't matter to me. Hmm. Uh, and it it has been really true to uh, true for me every step of the way. Every single person that matters in my life that I have told has not cared in one way. 
Yeah, you have to be able to identify the ones that really do matter and let go of the ones that don't. Mm -hmm. So outside of coming out to the race team and some of the other people in your life, what key fears have you had to, to, to overcome in your transition? And how did you do that? How did you get past those? The big one was coming out at work. Um, and... I, I just quickly told my HR team what was going on. Um, they were probably in the first month and a half to two months, I had notified my HR team that I was trans, that I was planning on coming out, uh, and I wanted to know what um, what the company's policy was on that and how they handled it. Um, and I, I work for an amazing company. Um, they have, we call everything plays. So mm -hmm. we had a playbook uh, for it. Um and it certainly wasn't perfect. Um, and I was often told each transition is very unique. And so we can't do a one size fits all type thing. Yeah, um, but, but there were, there were some opportunities that I, I felt like we could have done differently. Um, but again, I worked for such an amazing company where I was literally after the fact, given the opportunity to provide that feedback, uh, to help change, um, how they move forward. Um, so I, I think that overall it wasn't bad. Like I was very fortunate that I worked for such a great company that I didn't lose my job. And I lived in a state where it was perfectly legal for them to have said, um, sorry, you no longer work here because you're trans. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that was before the Supreme Court came out um, with, uh, with their decision saying that that's not legal. Uh, so... It was it was definitely a, a, a scary few months, but then afterwards it made things a lot easier for me. Um, was able to start living my authentic self, and again, there were some struggles. Uh, I mean, the my direct peers and the people I worked with on a daily basis definitely struggled with pronouns and um, mm -hmm. with name. Even uh, you know, it was one day I was one person, the next day I was somebody else, as they were able to see it. And I think that the people who don't genuinely care about you, it's more difficult for them when it's, when they see you on a daily basis, um, than people who do genuinely care about you. And sometimes it's difficult when it's people you work with, cause you don't expect them to genuinely like worry about you. They might care about you from like a work perspective and they want to make sure that you're successful, but at the same time, they don't, they don't worry about like your personal life the same way that somebody in your personal life who you want to be there all the time with um, worries about you. Mm -hmm. And so if that's the case, then oftentimes isn't nearly as important to them to make those types of changes. And I think that that was the most difficult thing was dealing with that. Um, I actually ended up going on medical leave for about a month and a half after transitioning. And then when I came out or when I came back from medical leave, I moved to Washington. Hmm. For me, that made the most sense. Mm -hmm. um, and from others that I've spoke to, other trans women who have gone through that, I haven't had a chance to talk to many trans men. Uh, but the trans women that I've spoken to have shared very similar um, experiences where they just felt like a clean slate was the best way to go. Again, I happened to work for a great company who helped me move and meant that I was able to have a, a job still that hmm. um, was going to support me when I moved and I didn't have to do a clean slate with nothing. What was your process of transition like and where are you in your grand process 
So when I when I first started coming out, um, I knew that I the really the only surgery that was important to me was um, GCS gender confirmation surgery. That was literally the only surgery that I cared about. Um, I knew that in order to get that, I needed two years. I needed to go through the insurance process. Um, and I immediately contacted my insurance company and started asking questions about that. Um, but I also knew that in order to do that, I would have to change my name uh, legally. Um, and to come out at work, that was one of the requirements, was I had to have my name changed legally. Uh, in fact, I couldn't start using the correct bathroom or requesting people call me by the right name until I legally changed it. And so that was priority one, was getting name changed. Um, in Texas, I thought it was going to be a lot more difficult than it actually was. Um, I did drive from San Antonio to Austin to get it done. I walked into the Travis County Courthouse. Um, I was under the impression that I would get up there. I had my letters in hand. I had all the forms filled out. I thought I would show up and file the paperwork and get a court date and have to come back to see the judge to get the name changed. Um, what ended up happening is I showed up, I think it was at 10 o'clock. Uh, no, it, must have, it was about 11 o'clock because they all went to lunch at noon. All the judges went to lunch at noon. So I spent about an hour getting paperwork filed and it was right before noon when they said, all right, go up to this room, talk to this person and he will get you um, get this paperwork signed for the judge. But since it's almost noon, like you might run, you might end up having to wait. And I was thinking, great, I only paid for two hours of parking. Hopefully this gets taken care of because I only have an hour left. Mm. So I ran up there. Uh, I handed my paperwork to him. I like they told me to sit in his office. So I sit in his office. He was like a legal clerk who worked with several of the judges. So I'm sitting in his office. And he walks in like five minutes later and he says, here, let me have your paperwork. I'll be right back. And he leaves. And I'm thinking he's going to come back and say, okay, the judge um, just went to lunch, but he said, we'll schedule, we've got your court date scheduled for this date. But instead he came back like 20 minutes later and said, here's your paperwork. Go back downstairs and get some copies and you're all set. Everything's done. Uh, so yeah. it was literally like an hour and a half and I was finished. It took me longer to drive from San Antonio to Austin than I spent at the courthouse getting my name changed. Hmm. Um, I then, uh, so once I had that, I like, I called my boss and said, Hey, uh, so I know that I had told you last week that this was probably going to be the end of the month. It was, uh, today. <laughs> uh, so can we get this ball rolling? And so that was on a Wednesday, I think Wednesday or Thursday. And, we immediately got HR involved and we picked the following Monday of rolling it out because in because uh, we were closed on that sun we were closed on Sunday so um, Saturdays Sundays I wasn't at the store so it made sense for us to just start at the beginning of a week um, and the the plan for the store was my boss would have a meeting individually with every associate at the store tell them what was going on, explain our HR policy um, and our zero tolerance uh, for discrimination or anything like that. And um, mm -hmm. we, we call it our treating associates with respect policy and, and what that means and how it may be against what you believe, but you don't have a choice while you're at work. You don't get to do or say anything. 
um everybody was on board from the game from the moment that they were told like we don't we we have a great um the company is great and we hire the right people all across the company uh so it it was a great experience except for then that was kind of the end of the plan so when things didn't continue to stay great there wasn't really a game plan for us to continue trying to make things work um correctly which is why i ultimately decided it was time that i move uh so my my next plan after name change my next goal was surgery that was the only thing that mattered at that point um so i uh, started kind of getting together. I knew that I still needed because that was only about nine months after I'd come out. So to be able to continue to go through that process, I knew I still needed some time before I would hit the the mark, the time frame that insurance was going to require and be able to get the, I needed some time to get the letters together and then also get letters at the right time so that they were still valid when I would be having the surgery. Uh, so I started putting together that game plan. Um, the following spring, so it was like six months after my name change is when I went to my therapist and said, I'd like to get the first letter written. And do you know somebody that I can go to so I can see them for a second letter? And she recommended another therapist in town who uh, was willing to meet for just the letter. Um, so he said he usually required three to four sessions um, to do before he would write a letter. And that was mostly just so that he could get to know you so he could write the letter correctly. And it wouldn't be, um, you know, just him writing a letter. It would be more of like my professional opinion. Okay. Uh, so we scheduled those, those appointments. They were weekly appointments for one month. Um, crazy enough, all of this was last year during COVID. Uh, so I was trying to figure out how to do all of this stuff remotely because, uh, nobody was seeing patients in person anymore. I was still supposed to be moving up to Tacoma, but I had actually gotten stuck in San Antonio because of COVID. Uh, Washington had shut down everything at that point, and mm -hmm. so there were yeah. no businesses open. So the company I work for said, we're not moving you yet. Um, be patient. And then they furloughed me. Uh, so I ended up not even working for a period of time uh, because of all of that. And so during that time frame, I said, I'm going to get surgery scheduled. There's no reason not to get it scheduled at this point. Uh, so I had a friend who had gone through the crane center. She was going through the crane center out of Austin, Texas uh, for her surgery. And she highly recommended them. So I started doing some research on where I was going to have surgery. And the crane center was the one that made the most sense. I had spoken to insurance and they were willing to cover um, only one surgeon at the crane center. And that surgeon was not in Texas, was actually in San Francisco. Oh, uh, okay. So I started making the plan for San Francisco to go to San Francisco for surgery. We scheduled my surgery date for January 20th of 2021. At some point, like it wasn't supposed to have been scheduled on the 20th. My surgeon was actually going to be on vacation at that time. So she contacted me and said, let's push this forward. Would you be willing to do it on January 6th? And I said, absolutely. The sooner the better. And knowing where the country was at and California specifically from a COVID standpoint, I figured if I could get it done before another massive wave hit, that mm -hmm. that would mean I wouldn't have my surgery postponed uh, because they stopped doing elective surgeries. So, uh, it was definitely a, 
ordeal, like literally every single day for six months up until surgery day, I was checking to see if elective surgeries were allowed or not allowed because I thought for sure I was going to get it postponed. After I booked my Airbnb, I was really worried because it was a non-refundable month-long stay at at an Airbnb where I spent over a grand for a month uh, and was definitely worried that that was a going to be a waste of money and then have to do it all over again. I got very fortunate. Nothing happened. I went in for surgery on January 6th, the day that will live in infamy for sure. The entire world knows my surgery date (laughs) Um, and woke up to the world falling apart, but I was in absolute bliss. Uh, Surgery had been successful. uh, And then I've just been recovering since then. About three months after surgery is when I decided that it was time that I find a way to support the trans community. And that's where the podcast came from. Are there any areas that you still struggle with dysphoria now that you have accomplished your final goal with your transition? I still have facial hair that I deal with every single day. Um, and electrolysis is expensive. Um, mm-hmm. it, it just is. I have um, an electrologist that I work with. Um, I don't see her as much as I would really like to be seeing her. In fact, I haven't seen her since before surgery. Um, she helped me prepare for surgery, but also was doing some work on my face, um, as well. And so like, that was all, it was great. I need to go back and start seeing her, but it's, it's just, it's a really expensive procedure process and it takes a long time. And I'm working on other things, uh, in my personal life that I really want to have happen that are also expensive. My facial hair provides me with minimal dysphoria. It's definitely still there. Yeah. Um, I shave every single day. Uh, and then when I'm not, I think wearing a mask helps me because I don't have to, like, I don't feel like other people can see it. I'm wearing a mask. You cannot see it. And when I'm not wearing a mask, like when mask mandates disappear, I wear makeup to cover it up. And I feel like I do a decent job with the makeup. So I don't worry about it too much. Um, it's the days that uh, I take a lazy morning and I don't shower and shave first thing in the morning that tend to be the hardest days for me from a mm. dysphoria standpoint, but that's about it. And Good. I, I, I have a therapist that I talk to daily or weekly still not daily. That's, that's not where I'm at. Uh, <laughs> but I do talk to her weekly and we, and when that happens, i make sure I talk about it. I don't, I, I feel like the more I speak about it, the more I talk about it, the easier it is to overcome it when it pops up. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite thing that you've learned through your journey? Getting to learn who I am and getting to be the person that I've always wanted to be and discovering things about myself that I didn't know. There's a couple of things that like before I started transitioning, I just never wanted to touch. Uh, I wanted nothing to do with them. Um, and since transitioning, starting to get to learn some of those things about myself and getting to be more open with trying different things and doing different things. Um, like (laughs) it seems weird, but pre-transition, pre-coming out, I, uh, did a lot of things to prove to myself that I was masculine, um, like smoking cigars, which I absolutely hate drinking whiskey, which I also absolutely hate. Um, and I would never try wine um, and doing things like that. And then getting to now experience those things because it makes no sense to put a gender bias on anything. 
And then all of a sudden, now that I'm willing to drink wine, my mom came up to visit me and we are looking at different, we're driving around, just kind of checking out different parts of the state of Washington. And we drove past several wineries and my mom said, hey, I want to go do a tasting. And I went and had a blast doing it. It was a lot of fun. Um, And it's something that I would want to do more of. Uh, And before transitioning, I would have never even considered that as something that I would want to do. Well, and what's crazy is if I would have done it, like if my mom had said, hey, I really want to do a wine tasting while I'm up here, I would have said, sure, let's go do one. But I would have not enjoyed it. Like I wouldn't have let myself enjoy it. What advice do you have for young and closeted trans people out there? If you're not able to and you're not safe to, it's not safe to come out, don't. You know, make sure you take care of yourself first and foremost. Um, but if you have to, if you feel like there's no other way to get through life, find that person that can help be there for you, be that support. Um, I'm very fortunate that I've had quite a few people. Uh, but also just keep in mind, like I've said before, I think that the people who care don't matter and the people that matter don't care. So find that person that really matters to you that also doesn't care. Um, and be willing to let go of the people that do care because they don't, you don't need them in your life if they do care, uh, that you're trans. If that's a big deal to them, figure out a way, leave the door open, let them come back in at some point, but find a way to let them not be in your life during that time. Wonderful advice. I love it. Allison, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and your advice for trans people out there. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. It's been great. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Transgender Show from The Transverse Network. Watch this show live Tuesday nights at twitch.tv slash The Transverse and later on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash The Transverse. Be sure to check out The Trans Connections podcast. She only made it to seven episodes, but they are worth a listen. If you love what we're doing and want to help support The Transverse and get access to exclusive content, you can do so by visiting patreon.com slash The Transverse.